Thanks for checking out the Church RC podcast today. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope that this message encourages you. But let's jump into the Word of God, shall we? I am from Louisiana, though, however, and something you need to know about Louisiana people. Uh, I live in Louisiana. I'm not from Louisiana. I'm a transplant. I got grafted in. So I got to pick up like the crawfish. Come on, somebody. Okay, king cake. How about that? You've never had a king cake. You don't know what I'm talking about. Me and my, uh, my air drum sister here, we love our king cakes. We're two air drum kings and queens. We, we're the only two people in church that play air drums like we do. Can I get a witness? Because they won't let us on the actual drums. <laughs> Brian banned me. He says, no. And, uh, and so, but part of being Cajun, there's this idea of, uh, you ever heard of Boudreaux and Thibodeau? A couple of y'all? Boudreaux and Thibodeau are, are the quintessential Cajuns. And, and uh, one day, Boudreaux called up his buddy, Thibodeau, and said, Boudreaux, uh, Thibodeau, man, my, my marriage ain't like it once was. It's just something right. Like when we first got married, we run around the house chasing each other. We would kiss, kiss, and hug, hug, and it was beautiful. It was wonderful. But it just hasn't been the same since, you know, just lately. It's something right. And, and Thibodeau said, well, maybe you need to go to the doctor, let him get you checked out. Maybe you've got an imbalance of some sort of fashion. I don't know, but you need to get this fixed because you know what they say, Boudreaux, if you don't take care of your woman, she'll leave you. So Boudreaux did that very thing. He said, hey, scheduled him a doctor's appointment. And he went to the doctor, and he got back from the doctor, and Thibodeau kept waiting for the phone call saying that, you know, he got back, and then this is what was going on, that was going on. He didn't hear from Boudreaux at all. So he got a little antsy, so he went over to Boudreaux's house, and he knocked on the door, and Lucille, Boudreaux's wife, came to the door, and she goes, I don't know where he's at, but he, he came rushing in the door. He grabbed the, the radio player and then took off, and I, I like going toward the barn. I don't know where he's at right now. So Thibodeau thought, well, let me go down to the barn and see where if he's down there. And as he's walking down to the barn, he starts to hear this music playing. This sweet, romantic type of music. And he's listening to it. He's hearing it. It's coming out the, the crack in the door. And he's getting a little closer thinking, what is going on? Why is Boudreaux playing this romantic music? I don't understand it. And he, and he gets to the door and he peeks in the crack. And he notices that, that Boudreaux's in there beside his tractor. And Boudreaux's walking real slow around his tractor. And then Boudreaux does something Thibodeau couldn't have even imagined. He grabbed his shirt and ripped it off. Slung it over his head a couple times here there. Rubbed it across the tractor tire. And Thibodeau had all he could handle. And he's jumped to open the door, pushed it. He says, Boutro, what are you doing in here? I don't understand. What kind of craziness is happening to you? Have you lost your mind, Boutro? Boudreaux freaked out a little bit, threw his shirt back on, and, 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 and started stuttering all over himself. And Thibodeau said, what, was, what happened? What is, what is up with you? And Boudreaux said, well, I went to the doctor. I went to the doctor, and, and he told me that I need to come home and do something sexy to a tractor. <laughs> and that's what Boudreaux had done. Something sexy to a tractor. I hope that by the end of this day, this God-given message is going to help you and you are able to get it figured out the right way. And don't get Boudreaux confused up in here. 
Genesis chapter 15. If you're taking notes, you can title this sermon, I Have a Dream. Genesis chapter 15, I Have a Dream. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram, verse 1, in a vision saying, Do not be afraid, Abram, I am your shield and your exceedingly great reward. But Abram, Abram said, Lord God, what will you give me seeing I go childless and the heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus? Abram, Abram said, look, you have given me no offspring. Indeed, one born in my house is my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him saying, this one shall not be your heir, but one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. Then he brought him outside and said, look now toward the heaven and count the stars if you are able to number them. And he said, this so shall your descendants be. And he believed in the Lord and it was accounted to him for righteousness. And he said to him, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to inherit it. Father, we just thank you for the word of God, and I'm asking now that there will be a supernatural grace upon us to receive what the word of God is speaking to us. Father, I thank you that there is going to be hope renewed in our lives as we begin to look unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. May the eyes of our understanding be enlightened that we may know the hope of the calling of God upon our life. May we recognize who God is and the process begin to understand who we are so that we may fully understand what you have created us for on this earth at this very moment in time. And Lord, we just give you the glory and the honor. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, now listen, they told me that this is not uh, a quiet church because we all know a quiet church is a... So I don't want to have no quiet church to hear. I, I, I came here expecting somebody to help me preach this morning. And uh, I believe that God gave me this word for such a time as this. And, and I just want to share uh, three distinct points that I believe that are going to help you begin to dream like you've never dreamed before. You see, I, you were created to dream. Genesis chapter 1 says that God showed up and he, and he looked out. He says, let there be an earth. And earth showed up. Let there be land. And land showed up. He, let there be animals. He said, then he saw. It's a, it's a great concept. He said, then he saw. But what you must first realize is that before he could say it, he had to dream it. Before he could say something, he had to imagine it to be so. Let me tell you, you were created in the image of God. God created you to dream great dreams. You're not put on this earth just to, to let earth pass you by and to walk, walk by it day by day. But you were put here to dream great dreams with God. You were created in the image of God. You were meant to dream like God dreamed. But so many Christians have failed to dream because they get caught up in where they're at and not where God can take them. They look at their circumstance and say, this is just the way it is. But God said, there's more to you than you've realized because on the inside of you, I created something special. Same in my image, that you could dream great dreams. Too many people quit dreaming. And the moment you stop dreaming is the moment you start dying. The moment you stop dreaming is the moment you start dying. And there are three things I want to give you today that may help you begin to dream again. First, you must start believing. Then you've got to start seeing. And third, you'll start saying. Start believing, start seeing, and start saying. Start believing. He says, I am your exceedingly great reward. God had to uh, touch him in his belief of who he was. First thing he addressed, he says, I am your reward. He didn't, he, God is not concerned with who you are. God is concerned with who he is. 
You are where you're at because Jesus did something supernatural. Not because you, you accepted it, not because you arrived at it, but because of who Jesus is. You are his exceedingly great reward, and now he's your reward. We get, we get it confused. We start looking at us when we should be looking at God. What are you believing in? I, uh, I, have, I have some great in-laws. I mentioned my mother-in-law. She's wonderful. But I have a father-in-law as well. Anybody got a father-in-law? Anybody got a father-in-law sitting here and they don't want to raise their hand? <laughs> my father-in-law came to visit me a few months ago. And, and uh, my daughter is the quintessential animal lover. Pastor Brian, she, like, she sees a possum. She says, that's beautiful. Look at his eyes. She, it, no matter what, crawfish. She played with crawfish, live crawfish, and she just talked about how wonderful they were. And I'm like, yes, they are when they've been boiled and ready to be eaten. <laughs> that's the way my, my daughter is. And she began to ask, she'd been asking me for months and months for a, a hamster, a rat, in theory. Huh? Come on, somebody. I mean... Thank you back there. She's like, yes, Lord. A rat. She wanted a rat. I'm like, Raleigh, I paid good money for an exterminator to come in here to eradicate all vermin from my household. My wife threatened to give up our house one time because she found them out. She said, I'm leaving and going to a hotel. Why would I bring a rat into the house? No, Raleigh. But my father-in-law decided to show up. And, uh, and he, he stopped by. He was getting ready to leave town, and he took... My wife, who became responsible for it by default, and took her to the pet store and bought a hamster. Bought a hamster. I came home. I was so mad. This nasty rat in my house. Riley named it. It was named Roscoe or something. Gizmo. Gizmo. It was named Gizmo, and it had this little cage and a little wheel it would run on, and it'd make noise. It was stupid. <laughs> we had it about a month and a half, and, and one day, Crystal catches me as I'm in the kitchen getting ready to do some stuff. She goes, Scott, come here. And I thought, yeah, I am. <laughs> she goes, no, no, there's a, there's a, the, the rat, I mean the hamster, the hamster, it died. Oh, really? <laughs> Too bad. Oh, well. She goes, no, you got to tell your daughter that her pet hamster has died. Well, that hurt me a little bit. Because it's one thing to get rid of the rat. It's another thing to break my daughter's heart. So I, I, I walked in there, glanced, and then came back, and I called Riley into the room. I said, Riley, I need to talk to you. And I brought her in there. I set her up on the counter, and I looked in her eyes. And to be honest, tears kind of welled up in my eyes. My heart was breaking for her. And I, I said, baby, I got, I got some bad news. And she began to tear up. And what is it, Dad? What is it? What is it, Dad? I said, baby, uh, Gizmo has gone to be with Jesus. Kind of. <laughs> and she began to cry and was squalling and screaming all over the place. And tears were flying. And, and I began to cry because that's just the way dads are, Brian. That's what we are. And I'm thinking, oh, no. Well, my son, my son. <laughs> My son was not moved with such emotion. And my 11-year-old son thought, let me go find, I want to go poke this dead rat. Because <laughs> that's what men do. Come on. <laughs> one was crying and one was ready to throw it up in the air and see, see what happened. And, and Asher goes in there and Asher screams from the room and says, it's alive. 
And Riley looked at me like I was the meanest person in the world. What kind of practical joke is this, Dad? I'm terrible. And I'm like, I didn't know. It's No, it's your mama. It's your mama. And we walked in. And sure enough, this hamster has got up and moving. Apparently, he was in a food coma. Like some of you will be tonight after the Super Bowl. He was in a food coma. And when Astra poked him, he, he came alive. And, and I realized right then, you be careful who you're believing in. You're going to believe something. You might as well believe in the right thing. Too many Christians believe their circumstance instead of God. We'll believe our situation instead of God. We'll believe what the doctor said instead of what the Word said. We'll take, we'll take what the banker said instead of standing on the promises of God or yes and amen. What are you believing? Who are you believing in? Because if you're believing in the wrong thing, you're going down the wrong way. Too many Christians miss out on God's best because they refuse to believe what He said about them. They're believing a second report instead of the best report. If you, if you don't start believing, you'll never, ever start seeing. you got to start believing first. Something special about it when you begin to look unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith, and put your belief system filtered through God and not through everyday life. Once you start believing, then you start seeing. I love what it says in Genesis chapter uh, 15. He brought him outside and said, look now toward heaven and count the stars if you are able to number them. Look, come outside and look. Come outside and look. Come out and look. Come out and look. This is a word for somebody. He said, come out and look. I don't, I read the Bible sometimes and I begin to, I just ask myself questions. Why God? Why? Why would you want him to come out and look? Why not just talk to him while he's laying in bed? I love when God talks to me when I'm laying in bed. <laughs> That's a great place. Or my recliner. I'm like, yes, Lord. <laughs> he says, come out and look. Until I realized what he was coming out of, Jimmy. He was coming out of the tent. I mean, let me paint the picture for you. I know there's children in the room, but his the one desire was for a child. His one desire for his wife to be pregnant and to give birth to a child. And every time they went into the tent to see the fulfillment of, the, of what they desired, they always came up short. See, inside of the tent there is where they continually went. And inside of the tent was where the failure had always taken place. See, inside the tent is the failure. When they would lay in bed at night, year after year, year after year, and year after year, and they'd look up at the tent and say, I wish we could have, but it was in the place of failure that they continually found themselves. And God said, i got to get you out of your failure tent so that I can get you seeing what I can do. See, he was always looking around at where God had failed or where he had failed in the process thinking, God, you're not big enough. You're not good enough. All I can see is where I'm at. And God says, it's not about where you're at. It's about where I can take you. See, when you've been sitting in your uh, tent of failure long enough, you've got to get out so you can see what God can do. Some of you, your marriage has been so broken and busted because it's been that way for so long. You couldn't imagine life any other way. And God's saying, you know what, you need, to, you need to get a different perspective. You need to start looking at your husband like he is the best man in the world, irregardless of how he acts. You need, you need to start talking about your wife like she's the greatest woman in the world, irregardless of what's been going on. 
your job, you don't like your job, it's time to get a different perspective because what you've been seeing is not who you are. You've bought into the lie that that's the way it is. And God says, I've got something greater on the inside of you. If you'll just begin to change what you see. See, there are, there are businesses that are going to be birthed out of this church. There are, there are uh, 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 inventions coming out of this church. There are books to be written and songs to be sung and, and uh, r- records to be recorded. There is great things that you hadn't even realized because all you see is a church in, in, in little RC. But God says this is a divine church, a God-appointed place. This is a place where things are happening and people's lives are being changed. And I'm going to do something. You see a church of 600. God sees a church of 16,000. But, Scott, that's not, what that's not what's here. Irregardless of what you see doesn't mean that's not what God is doing. Some of you need to start, start seeing like God sees. You've got to change your perspective. He said, I've got to get you out of what you see because what you see is holding you back. Too many times our, our vision is mar- uh, marred by our eyesight because God did not create us to look with our eyes, but he created us to look with our hearts. What are you dreaming for today? Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 5 says, Before I formed you, I knew you. Before I fastened you, I knew you. I love the fact that's how God operates. Before I formed you, I knew you. That's how dreams work. Before they can come to pass, they must be a thought preceded by the action. God wants to do something in you, but before he can do something in you, he's got to get you seeing it like he sees it. He's got to get you out of that stinking thinking so he can get you where he wants you to go. So many people miss out on what God has for them because they're still living in yesterday's failure or insecurity or loss or lack. It's time to get out of the tent of failure and disappointment and get dreaming again of what God can do. I love what the New Testament said. Let us lay aside every weight in the sin that so easily ensnares us. Let us lay aside every weight in the sin that so easily ensnares us. Part of that sin may be our action, but mostly that sin is a sin of unbelief. John chapter 16 says, it is the sin of unbelief that keeps us from going with God. Too many people, their, 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 their belief is what's holding them back. It's not God. It's not the talent. It's not the ability. It's their belief in what God can do. I believe that today faith is going to be rescued and released in a supernatural way. Because you're going to get out of your tent of disappointment and see the way God sees. And he says, look at the stars in the sky. And I, I often wonder, why didn't he walk outside and grab a handful of sand? Because for a man with little, you try to get a, you just try to get a step, Right? That's how we teach people. Hey, don't, don't try to become a millionaire overnight. Just start saving $10. Then you go to start saving $100. And then you start. That's how we teach people, right? But God doesn't think like we think. He said, I, I would have gone out there and said, okay, just, I tell you what, just, just pick up a, a few pieces of sand and this is what I'm going to do for you. But God didn't do that. He says, look at the stars in the sky. And if you can number them, that's how the generations will be that follow. And I'm like, why would God do something like that until I realized when you look at the stars in the sky, what you see is not what you see. Your eyes can only pick up certain specks of light, but behind those specks of light, there are more stars. And there are more stars, but you're not 
don't have the ability to focus in beyond the first level. See, that's why we are called to be dreamers, because the truth is, it's beyond what you can do. My children, I, I've already got dreams for them that goes beyond what I can do. I'm dreaming for the next generation. I'm dreaming for my grandchildren and my great-grandchildren because I believe that that's the way God operates. I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He is a generational God. Beyond where you are, beyond what you can do, there's another generation coming that your dreams are going to impact. See, maybe you should start dreaming beyond you and start dreaming for your children and your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren because God is already doing something there that you can't even realize because God is not bound by time. God is not bound by circumstance. God is free to begin to dream beyond where you're at. Maybe we would take on more responsibility if we realized that it carried on beyond what we can do and what we can see. I love the fact the next generation isn't afraid of what might be because they haven't experienced the fears and failures of yesterday. Start seeing. But then you must take on the responsibility and start saying. See, it's easy, to, it's easy to dream in the quietness of our hearts. It's easy. We, we have thoughts like that all the time. Man, I can imagine just being the Super Bowl winner. I can imagine being a, a, a pastor. I can imagine owning a business one day. I can imagine being out of debt. But the moment we begin to say it, we put responsibility with it. See, it's one thing to just have it. It's another thing to speak it because when you speak it, you begin to... Test God. I remember when the Lord began to deal with me on this. And I was actually out at a park just spending some time praying. And, and he spoke this word to me. And, and it happened to be by accident, to be very honest. It, it was in the back of this journal. I got four or five of these. And, and uh, I kind of rotate them out. And, but it was in the back of this when he began to speak to me about dreaming. And I wrote down in the back of this journal about dreams. I began to write down my dreams. And I began to write them down as, as if they're going to come to pass. And they were everything from being out of debt and seeing million people get saved through my family, family's ministry and, and, and being a part of a great church and pastoring people and to stuff like going to Disney World. See, two people are excited about Disney World. Either the rest of you have been or you have no idea. I'm not sure which it is. I, I, I just think that it, I, I, that was a dream in my heart because I've never been. My parents never had enough money to take us. And I, my goal is to take my children this year to Disney World and let them experience what I've never experienced. I just spoke it, and my daughter now knows it. Don't you worry. She'll be reminding me every day until we arrive there. See, when the moment you begin to speak it, you take the responsibility for it. I'm just letting you know, if you follow me on any social media, when I arrive there, I will be wearing Mickey Mouse ears. I'm going all in. I'm going to have a Mickey Mouse shirt, Mickey Mouse ears. I might even have on Mickey Mouse socks and Mickey Mouse shoes because it is the fulfillment of the dream that God put in my heart. And I'm going to let everybody see it. And I'm going to post on Instagram selfies for days. Selfie stick right now. I'm going to, oh, what? Uh Uh-huh. I'm still here. Yeah, 29th picture in the last hour. I don't care. I'm going to unfollow him. That's fine because when the fulfillment of my dream comes about, I'm going to celebrate what God has done. I believe that we should celebrate what God has done. You see, dreams were meant to change you and to make you see beyond where you're at. I remember the day 
Leanne walked up. Leanne came up and she had tears in her eyes and I was praying for people and she stood there and her and her husband came up and he's standing behind her and, and she couldn't even talk. She said, he said, I, would you pray for us to have a child? I said, sure, that's not a problem. And I began to pray over him and, and even in the midst of my prayer, I felt something on the inside just tug at my heart and, and before I knew it, I said, I said Leanne, um, you're going to have a, a child, but you're not going to have one. You're going to have a quiver, and the first will be a girl, and she's going to use her voice to tell of God's faithfulness. Unbeknownst to me, that the story went back nine years prior to that day, for when they got married, they started trying to have children from the very get-go. And every, every chance they had, they, would, they, would, they were pursuing and trying to have a child and have a child, and for three years, nothing took place. So over the next four years, they went to doctor after doctor. They had every test run possible. They paid for the drugs. They paid for all the stuff. They did everything in their power to have the dream that was put in their heart. But nothing happened. They would try and they would quit and give up. They would try and they would give up and they would try and give up. And even at one point she said, we would get angry at people who were getting pregnant when we felt like we deserved it more than them. See, dreams aren't meant to just happen because they're there. Dreams are meant to be pursued. She's sitting there that day. She said they walked out of the building. They went home and they took the word as it was. And they started that day pulling out the baby name book and began looking for names. Just girl names. There'll be a time for boys, but this was just for the girls. And lo and behold, four months later, she gets pregnant. And then they go to the very first doctor appointment. And they do some tests, and they come back with a report that says, listen, you're, the, the sack is dry. It's this, this, this pregnancy will not take. Do not get your hopes up. Do not name this child. Please trust us. This is a this pregnancy will not last. And they walked out of there devastated. And then they said, No, we got a word. We had a dream. And then we had a word. So they went home. And they started saying that the name of the little girl over and over again over and over again they would say it they'd start telling people immediately when everybody would say don't, don't do that don't do that they said no we're standing on our word and on December 2nd 2014 Jazlyn Avi Gail Faith Miller was born They decided since they couldn't decide on one name, they'd use all four. Come on, Jesus. If she ever gets in trouble, she'll be gone before she get, they get all the names out to let her know. I don't know how many times they said her name before they ever realized the fulfillment of the dream. I don't know how many times they wrote it out before they ever saw the fulfillment of the pregnancy. 
See, great dreams carry great responsibility because God gives them to people that he desires something from. You're sitting here today, and I believe that there are dreams on the inside of you. I believe there are marriages that are supposed to be restored. I believe there are children that are supposed to come back to God. I believe there are businesses. I believe there's hope. I believe there's, there's jobs. I believe there's, there's restoration. I believe there's, there's ministries. I believe there's small groups, connect groups. I believe there's, there, there's, there's people, your neighbors, that are meant to come because of a dream that is on the inside of you. The Church RC started as a dream in this couple's heart. And it is what it is today because they refused to give up. They refused to let it go. They said, you know what? No matter the cost, no matter the risk, no matter what we could lose, we cannot let go of the dream that God has put in our hearts. And we will pursue God no matter the circumstance. No matter what they say, no matter what could be or what might be, what is in our hearts is greater than the circumstances around us. Some of you have dreams like that in your life. And God says that this is a divine moment because it's time for dreams to be restored. Loss to be reversed. Hope to be renewed. Love to be extended. You are more than you've ever realized and are capable of more than you know. At The Church RC, we aim to help you encounter Jesus. If you want to further connect with us, you can find us online at thechurchrc.com or on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at thechurchrc. If you have a story to share about how God is moving in your life, you can email us at amen at thechurchrc.com.